I don't know if you've ever gone outside at, in the desert when there's, there's no lights and the moon isn't very full and you look up and you just see stars, like as far as the eye can see. You just see stars upon stars and upon stars. God created those stars. And in our galaxy, there's hundreds of millions of them. As a matter of fact, there's over a billion stars in our galaxy. Um, as a matter of fact, there's actually around a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. Now, this is very hard to wrap our head around when we start using numbers like that. Um, and I know this is true because I googled it and I got the number, a hundred billion stars. And so we have a star, we call it our sun. And if you were to think about how big the sun is, the sun is um, 109 times the size of our earth. So to give you, to give you an idea, if, uh, if we made the earth this big, it's about 8 inches, okay? The sun, if the, if the earth's 8 inches, the sun is 73 feet, okay, in diameter. So it's about the size, it's about as, it would be as tall as the White House, <laughs> okay? So think about that. We got this earth, what we think is big, but, it, but it's real tiny. God created earth and created that sun. It's 333 times the weight of the earth the sun is. And that's not even the biggest star that we have in our galaxy. There's another star... If you take our sun, there's another star that's over 1,500 times the size of our sun. So, if the earth is 8 inches, our sun is 73 feet, that is 125,000 feet. <laughs> that's how big that sun is relative to our sun, that star. And God... The God of the universe created all those stars. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he knows them all. He can name them all. I can't even come up. We, when we had our kids, we had that baby book of names thing. I couldn't even pick one name for my kid. You know, Lisa had to do it. I'm like, there's too many names. He knows them all. Now, you can push back on me and say, well, you know, uh, you know was it seven days? Was it a thousand years? A million years? I don't want to get into that conversation right now. God created the heavens and the earth. Now think about what kind of God, what kind of power, what kind of wisdom, what kind of creativity. And here's the other thing. There's over a million galaxies. So if our galaxy has billions and billions of stars and there's millions of galaxies, what kind of God? That's a big, big God. Now, let's take it back to um, our planet, okay? Because sometimes when you think about suns and planet, you know, all that kind of stuff, it just, it gets to be too much. So let's go to our planet and look at just bacteria. Bacteria is one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. <laughs> so if you take an inch and you divide it into 20, you go home, take a razor blade on a piece of paper and make 25,000 cuts in it, uh, one of those slivers will be bacteria. God, I don't know how he did it, created bacteria. It's, it's wild. 
the, the creativity that God has. And there's, there's so many different kinds of bacteria. They all look different, and they're all beautiful under a, a microscope. God created something else that isn't beautiful, and that's insects. Uh, but the, the creativity behind the insects. In Panama's rainforest, they took 19 trees and they, they fumigated them. Okay, and so they, 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 they tent them and they fumigate them and then scientists get together and they take off the tents and they go around and they count the bugs that fell out of the trees, these 19 trees. That's what scientists do. They go and they like sit there and they go, I got one, it's an ant. And they're like, oh, okay, ant. What color? Red. All right, red, okay. Does it have one of those things sticking out? Yep. No, we don't have one of those. Okay, great, right? And so they count all these things. There was 1,100 insects in these 19 trees. I'm sorry, did I say insects? It was 1,100 species of insect in 19 trees. As a matter of fact, in an acre of the Panama rainforest, there's 6,000 species of insect. And throughout the rainforest, 25,000 species of insects. That is a lot of insects. And that is why I'm not going to the rainforest anytime soon. Because uh, they frighten me. But think about that. This God, I don't know how he did it, creates the heavens and the earth and bacteria and all these insects. And they're all different kinds. And they're all crawling around and doing all this stuff. And the God created you and I. It's so fascinating to me. So I'm talking to you right now. Okay? Uh, and that's, uh, right? So here's what's happening. I'm inhaling air into my lungs, and, which is good. That's called breathing. Uh, and I, I do it every day. And, and as I'm exhaling, my vocal cords are vibrating and they're stretching and they're coming down. And I can talk like this if I want. You know, and I can go talk like this, like a little mouse, okay? Because mice don't actually talk. But, but I can do all of that. And you understand what I'm saying. God created that. In your brain, which is made up of uh, not only chemicals, but uh, matter and then electricity. And you've got all these synapses and they're super, super tiny and all these things going on. God, the God of the universe, created you. You can... See, I mean, think about, do you know how awesome it is that we can see and how he created the eye? Scientists still don't even know how all of that works together. You can see, you can, you can hear, you can smell, you can, you can feel. And God, here's what he did when he created you. He created you in his image. He created you to be creative. Humankind is so amazingly creative. I was listening to a guitar player a couple days ago in my house. And uh, I'm just listening to this guy play guitar. And, and it, it just was blowing my mind. Well, he's a pretty awesome guitar player. Um, and, and so he's just playing these riffs that are so incredibly fast. And they're perfectly on time. And his bends and his slides and everything. Just the tone that he had was incredible. God created that guy. God created where you can, you can go. And some of you are just incredibly creative. Even, even as accountants, you think accounting. What are the, you're incredibly creative in accounting. You hide all sorts of taxes. You're just so creative. And we, we thank you guys for, for that. 
All sorts of, some of you are artists, some of you are, God created you to be creative. This morning I was, I was going over the sermon and I had a cup of coffee and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like drinking a cup of coffee. I, I, I know you, you guys are freaking out, you're like, is he okay? No, but, but I, I, I went to a machine and I put a pod in it and I, I, I put it down and I pressed a button and coffee came out. Like, doesn't that ever blow your mind? Like, how did that happen? You first had to invent plastic. How did we invent plastic? How did we do that? God created us to be creative. And this God is the God of the universe. He is the God of the heavens and the earth. The Bible says there is no one like our God. This is the God we worship. He doesn't have hands or feet or he's, he's smarter than us. He's everywhere. He's infinite. He was before time. I don't even know how my brain, I, I don't even know how, how to think about that. Makes billions and billions of stars and knows them all by name. The Bible says he scattered them out across the universe. Millions of galaxies. How, how is that possible? That's the God we worship. Watch what he says in Isaiah chapter 45. He says, and there is no other God besides me. There's no other God besides him. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. Sometimes we lose lose sight of the fact of how great our God is. How powerful he is. But that's not all. Isaiah goes on and he says, there's no other God besides me, a righteous God. So this God, this all-powerful God has standards. He's righteous. He knows the difference between right and wrong. And he cares about you living a life of righteousness as well. This powerful, almighty, all-knowing God. Creator of heaven and earth. But then it goes on. You have this God. There's no other God besides him. He's all powerful. A righteous God. And a savior. We start to see in Isaiah that it's not just God. It's not just like Zeus. Angry up there. Shooting down lightning bolts on on, on people. There's something else going on. That he's a savior. That this God who created heaven and earth, who created millions of galaxies with billions of stars, who created bacteria, who created my hands and my brain and all these things, that that God also is a savior. That God understands that the world is broken. And you know what he's saving you from? He's saving you from the temptation to become God. Because that is really at the forefront of our brokenness. We want to be in control. We want it to go our way. And God says, you are not designed for that. I am designed for that. I have created you. I have created the heavens and the earth. And I've created you. And I want to save you from that. And he goes on, there is none except me. And he says this, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. This incredibly awesome God. 
Now, when you think about that, when you think about just how powerful he is, just how enormous he is, just how wise he is, you can sometimes get lost in that. And what I want to do this morning is take that picture, don't lose that picture of God creating the heavens and the earth, that God knowing what's in every single galaxy. He knows what's in every single one. I was, I was thinking about this when, when uh, um, I was preparing this week that, you know, if you were back when Genesis was written, okay, when, when it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you would look up at the stars and those are the only stars you would see and you'd go, wow. But now with our telescopes, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And every time we make a new discovery, for me, I'm like, how in the world did God pull that off? And it expands my horizon of him. And David, who was a who was a shepherd, would have been with his flock at night, watching over them. And he would look up at the stars while his sheep were all all there. And he'd have those similar things. And here's what David says about this awesome, awesome God. The Lord is my shepherd. Imagine that. The God who created the heavens and the earth, who created you, doesn't just sit up in heaven. He winds it all up and then he just watches and see how it all plays out. I used to have this game. um, My brother had it. And um, it was a little football game. And you'd set up all your pieces and then you'd you'd press the button and it would vibrate. (laughs) Do you remember that game? And then, yeah. And it had a little foam football and you'd put it in and once it touched another player, then you had to stop it. And and it would just kind of like, everybody would just go crazy. And and God God doesn't do that. He didn't just create heaven and earth and then just go, and we're just like, you know, just bouncing around. He wants to guide you. The God of the universe wants to guide you, lead you. He wants, he has an opinion about you. He loves you. The Lord, God Almighty, is my shepherd as well. Look what Psalm says. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. So you get this, you get this kind of, you know, David's writing about just, you know, Kneel before him, worship him, adore him. He is our maker. He is our God. And then he goes on, and we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. This mighty God is our shepherd. He wants to guide you. And we'll, over the few next weeks, I'll be sharing with you how much um, uh, what it means to be a shepherd and what David would have, how David would have thought about that. Because we, when we think of a shepherd, we think, oh yeah, a guy who owns sheep and kind of goes around. But really, um, the shepherds were hired hands. And so if you owned enough land to have sheep and you owned sheep, you would hire a shepherd. But this is the mind-boggling thing that David is saying. He's saying he owns the land and he owns the sheep and he chooses to tend his own flock. <laughs> 
We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Here's, here's my point for this morning. We often struggle with the reality of God's greatness and God's tenderness. That those, that's a tension that oftentimes is hard for us to manage. Because you've got this incredibly all-powerful God that created the heavens and the earth, that knows everything, that's all, you know, he's all-powerful. And yet, he cares for us. He cares for you individually. And so sometimes we get too much on the tenderness side and think, oh, it's okay, God loves me no matter what, but he's a righteous God. And he says, no, 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 you need to change this part of your life. I love you. It's damaging you. I want you to stop doing this. We get too caught up on the tenderness and some of us get too caught up on the greatness. We think he doesn't love us. He doesn't care about us. He's just a cosmic force and what what are we gonna do? So how do you marry the tension between God's greatness and his tenderness? One word. Jesus. Jesus is the marriage between God's greatness and his tenderness. This is why Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. We often struggle with the reality of God's greatness and his tenderness, and sometimes we get lost in one or the other. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 says this, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. This is your great God decided to come down in the form of man, taking the form of a bondservant to lead his people. I, um, uh, People call, you know, they'll call me a shepherd. You know, so that, that's really what, pa- that's all pastor means, actually. Uh, the word means shepherd. But I see myself more as a sheepdog, <laughs> right? That hopefully I'm hearing Jesus' voice and he's telling me to run around and, and herd the sheep. And so anytime I see a story of a sheepdog, I'm always like, oh man, that's, that, that's, aw- that's awesome. You know, I, I want to I read about it. And uh, just within the last few days, uh, there was an article in the paper about this dog, Olin. And uh, in the Sonoma fires, um, they came up really fast onto his property. And um, the couple who has o- Olin also had some, she- some goats that he would take care of, that he would herd. And so the fire was coming so quickly, they tried to get him into the car, but he wouldn't leave the sheep. And so, so they, they left him. And they're just, I mean, think about it. They're like heartbroken. The, the, the goats are their pets as well. And, and uh, they also had a deer. I don't know how that worked. But anyway, uh, so they have these goats and this deer. And they have Olin and this other dog. And so uh, Olin wouldn't get in the car. He would, and the, the, literally the, the trees around their house are on fire. As a matter of fact, here's uh, what ended up happening to their property. That was their house. And so they came back, and this was one of their uh, ATVs. And they came back, and this is what they saw. Olin with the goats. (laughs) Olin had herded them to a rocky place, uh, probably the safest place they could have been. And the goats and Olin had singe marks on their fur. Olin's paws were blistered from the heat of the rocks. But he stuck with those sheep. He stuck with those sheep. God is your shepherd. 
God will stick by you during the flames. I have read the 23rd Psalm easily a hundred times. I read it every time I do a, a, a funeral. Right? So congratulations. You're, you're all around to hear it. But I do it every funeral. And the thing is, it's, it's a psalm of comfort. But what I love about the psalm is that as you read it, you realize that it doesn't pull any punches. So it's, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning, I, I know I'm going to be tempted to want stuff. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, that's because there are pastures that are difficult. There are pastures that are rocky and that have flames all around. He leads me besides quiet waters. Why? Because there's turbulent waters. It talks about him preparing a, um, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That means we have enemies. Well, what are they? How, how does that work? He talks about you, you're, you might go through the valley of the shadow of death which Travis is going to be preaching on in a couple weeks. And, and so this, this idea of, of, of life doesn't always go that well. But no matter what happens, the Lord is my shepherd. The God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. Beyond all we could imagine. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. This God, this creator who created us. In his image, first and foremost, is our shepherd. It goes on in Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, and I I prefer the NIV translation for this. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. You might have a version that says, uh, I shall not be in want. In other words, when when I see God as my shepherd... I know that whatever I have in my life is there because he provided it. I lack nothing that he wants me to have. Does that make sense? I lack nothing that my shepherd doesn't want me to have. And so you sit and you go, well, I'd really like a spouse. You don't lack a spouse. Okay? God, your shepherd, is leading you through this period that might... Be singleness for your life? It might not be. But he's your shepherd. He's guiding you. Wow, I, 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 I lack a job. You don't lack a job. You're just in a season right now where God is leading you and you're jobless during this season. But he is your shepherd and he's not going to ever leave you or forsake you. You say, I, 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 I lack a good relationship with my spouse. You don't lack it. It's just that you're in a season right now that God is guiding you and directing you through. Or you've chosen to wander away and your shepherd is sitting waiting for you to come back. He's wooing you. He's going after you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like uh, a a man who has these sheep. He's got a hundred sheep. And he counts them, he didn't carry the four, he counts them all the way, he gets to 99. He's like, where's, where's the one? I gotta, get, I gotta get that one. You might be in a season of your life right now where you have wandered off. And you feel like you're, 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 you've been abandoned. In fact, he's, he's, he's wanting you to come back so that he can shepherd you. The God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth, is your 
shepherd. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. One of the first things that needs to happen in order to adopt God as your shepherd is to understand the sacrifice that the good shepherd did for our sin. That Jesus became a lamb, okay? The good shepherd became the lamb of God that died for our sins. And when we take that step to follow Jesus, this is what every disciple of Jesus hears that call, follow me. And it's a, it's a very shepherd-like call. I'm going this way. I've got my staff. Next week I'll show you. Um, Don Rogers bought me, um, it's called a, a Zungu. I don't know. It's from Kenya. It's a stick. I call it a stick. Okay. But it's a shepherd's stick. And, um, and, he, and he showed me how to use it. And it's really cool. And it looks like a club. And I'm like, yes, this is what Living Spring needs. Me with a club, okay? But uh, you can picture Jesus with this, with this shepherd's staff going to his sheep, follow me. And the sheep begin to follow him. The first step that you need to take to have the Lord as your shepherd, to be led to these quiet waters, to be led through the valley of the shadow of death, is to understand that he's the Lamb of God. And when he says to follow me, you follow and this morning, as we kick off this series, I, I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer to him, to, to, to say, okay, whatever my past was, wherever I'm at, I want the Lord to be my shepherd. Because he is, but it's up to us to actually follow him. And so for you, you might be someone who's never made a commitment to Jesus to be your shepherd. You've never submitted your life as a sheep to him and go, where you lead, I'm going to follow. Others of you may have been following Jesus for even, even many, many years. And you realize that in this period of your life, you've looked up and he's not, he's not there. Because you've wandered off. And you want to come back. This is what I love about the great God of the universe. He's also a God of tenderness. He describes himself as a father. A father that when a son has wandered off, waits patiently for that son to return. And when the son returns, has a party. And that son, the Bible tells us, didn't, wasn't the greatest person while he was gone. He was wasteful. And, and so maybe this morning, you're, you're, you want to come back. You want to come back to the shepherd. I want to give us a chance to pray a prayer to God, a prayer of surrender. There's nothing magical about the prayer. There's nothing in it that, that, that makes it a special prayer. All you're doing is do, you're doing like you would with any relationship. Man, I've blown it. I'm sorry. And I, I just want to come under your leadership. I want to be forgiven and I want to be a follower of Jesus. The prayer itself isn't a one and done. The actual following needs to take place after the prayer. That's what disciples do. Can you imagine if Jesus went to Peter and said, you know, 
throw down your nets, Peter, and follow me. And he's just like, I'd rather just say a prayer and then just go back to my old, old life. It doesn't work that way. You become a follower. He is your shepherd, and he loves you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer, and you can just, uh, uh, we can all pray it together if you want. And, um, and, uh, but for some of you, this might, be, this might be the first time you've ever given your life over to Jesus. Or maybe it's, a, it's like, for, I got to get back. I got to get back to my shepherd. So if you've been a believer forever, or you a uh, follower of Jesus forever, or this is just something new to you, if you feel comfortable, uh, we can all do it together. Would you repeat this prayer after me? And, and, and again, it's not the prayer. It's the, the sacrifice of your life to God through what Jesus did on the cross. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Please forgive me for what I've done. And help me become a follower of you in every area of my life. In your name, amen. I have prayed that prayer a hundred times. <laughs> I've prayed that prayer so many times, and it's not like, you know, I, I was a Christian and then I waited until I wasn't a Christian and then prayed the prayer again. It's, it's, the, it's the daily prayer of surrender. The prayer of salvation is the daily prayer of surrender. Like each morning I could literally wake up and go, Lord, I am sorry for yesterday. <laughs> I want to follow you today. I want to become like you. I, 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 wanna, I want to be Jesus at my work. I want to be Jesus at my neighborhood. I want to be Jesus in my family. That's what that prayer is. And for those of you who have, who prayed that prayer, I, I want to help you get started on that journey. And so maybe when you fill out your connection cards, you might want to just put down on the back, I, I've committed my life to Christ. And I, I'll get, me, either me or Jonathan will get in touch with you this week and just say, okay, here's how you move forward. Here's how we can help you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Because he is the good shepherd. And even though he will lead you places you didn't, don't think you can make it through, or he will lead you to places you think it would be better if we went right instead of left, and even though he's going to lead you to things, he's a good shepherd, and he knows what's around the corner.